You're listening to the Jesus for Everyone podcast, a podcast where we talk about the intersection of faith and social justice and what a first century Jewish prophet of the poor from Galilee offers us today in our work of love, compassion, and justice. To support this podcast, go to renewedheartministries.com and click donate. The kingdom has been twisted today to be mostly religious in nature. But for those early Jesus followers, the gospel was deeply political. And by political, I mean how we choose to share space together with one another here on earth. Welcome to episode 506. My name is Herb Montgomery, and our title this week is A Safe compassionate, just home for everyone. So before we jump into this week's passage, I have some exciting news. My latest book just hit number one new release on Amazon, as well as a couple bestseller lists. So I'm super stoked. Uh, You can find Finding Jesus, a fundamentalist preacher, discovers the social, political, and economic teachings of the Gospels uh, available now on on Amazon. Our reading this week is from the Gospel of Mark. It's Mark 1, 9 through 15. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son whom I love and with whom I am well pleased. At once the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness forty days. Being tempted by Satan, he was with the wild animals, and angels attended him. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. So, in our reading this week, we begin with, with uh, Jesus traveling from the region of Galilee to the River Jordan to be baptized by John. Jesus heard something in John's anti-establishment message and, and a call in John's preaching to return to the Torah's social justice principles that resonated with his own desire for a, a Jewish renewal. And, and, and his, his own concern for how the Roman Empire had co-opted the, the Jewish temple state and the scribal establishment and the local synagogues. And we've been covering that repeatedly in our and as we've traversed through the Gospel of Mark here this year. But scholars are torn as to whether Jesus actually began as a disciple of John's uh, or whether he just, you know, uh, saw resonance in John's movement. But his choice to be baptized by John, whether or not he was a disciple of John's or not initially, it affirmed that he at least, again, resonated with John's preaching enough to want to be baptized by John and be a part of John's movement. And we're going to see that that this changes later when John is uh, imprisoned. So, so Mark's language around John's baptism of Jesus, it was also meant to remind Mark's original audience of very similar language in the book of Isaiah. And whether we date Mark's gospel to have been written shortly before Rome's destruction of Jerusalem or shortly afterward, liberation from Roman occupation and oppression 
that was the prevailing impulse among Mark's listeners. Getting to heaven was not even on their hearts or their minds at that point. They just wanted to get out from under the thumb of Rome. Getting out from under the thumb of Rome was their primary uh, their prevailing impulse. And, and, and the language of heaven being torn open here as Jesus gets baptized, that's the first marker. It, it harkens back to Isaiah 64, where we read, Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains would tremble before you. As when fire sets twigs ablaze and causes water to boil, Come down to make your name known to your enemies, cause the nations to quake before you. For when you did awesome things that we did not expect, you came down and the mountains trembled before you. Since ancient times, no one has heard, nor ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. You come to help those who gladly do right, who remember your ways. So when Jesus is baptized and he uses this language of the heavens being torn open, it would have, high, it would have harkened back to this passage in Isaiah 64, where this is God intervening to, to uh, deliver those who are remaining faithful. And the Spirit, after that heaven is, is torn open, the, the Spirit descending like a dove and declaring Jesus' favor with the divine, that also harkens back to a passage in Isaiah. In Isaiah 42, 1 through 4, Here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one, in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him, and he will bring justice to the nations. In faithfulness, he will bring justice forth. He will not falter or be discouraged till he establishes justice in the earth. So it seems that the writer of Mark intended to associate those prevalent desires for liberation from Rome with Isaiah's language of establishing justice on earth among the nations. And that's why this week's story attaches these references to Jesus' baptism, that inaugural baptismal moment by, by Jesus in the Jesus story here in Mark. In Jesus, the early followers of Jesus perceived teachings that would end oppression and establish justice for all, they would change the world. And after his baptism, we see Jesus immediately going into the wilderness for 40 days. Now, 40 is a significant number in the Hebrew scriptures and, and other sacred Jewish literature. One example is Moses' 40 days and nights of fasting as he received the Torah. In, in Exodus 34, 28, it says, Moses was there with the Lord 40 days and 40 nights without eating bread or drinking water, and he wrote the tablets, the, uh, he wrote on the tablets the words of the covenant the Ten Commandments. And there's many more examples. Forty didn't only refer to days and nights. The scripture uh, names 40 years. There are 40 measurements based on, 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 on 40. The number 40 is, is used repeatedly in the Talmud and, and, and in the history of the Second Temple. A great article 
on the number 40 in the Jewish uh, culture is from the Jewish Encyclopedia this week. And I'm going to I'm going to put a link to it in this week's e-site. But we shouldn't gloss over <clears throat> Jesus's time in the wilderness just as narrative decoration. Jesus's wilderness experience, it had special significance for his original Jewish followers. While in Mark, Jesus is tempted by the Satan or the adversary, um, and, and in Mark, he's among the wild animals, and he's attended to by the angels. Matthew and Luke later, they're going to add to this language that, that Jesus was fasting during this time. Mark doesn't elaborate on the temptations here, but, but in, in, in Matthew and Luke, each of the temptations is delineated, delineated out into three separate temptations. But the, 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 this version of the story doesn't say um, there are three temptations. It, it doesn't detail the three temptations as later versions of the Jesus story do. What's also interesting is how Matthew and Luke overtly connect Jesus's temptations with the language and the liberation hopes of the apocalyptic book of Daniel in chapter 7. Mark, the first gospel, he, he began that connection, but it's not as overt. It's much more subtle. And, and to, to get our heads around the connection here of the temptations in the wilderness or Jesus' time in the wilderness, according to Mark, uh, where, with, with the, the imagery of Daniel chapter 7, I want to go back to Ched Myers. Ched tells us, that the book of Daniel was, and this is from page 101 of his book, Binding the Strongman, a Jewish resistance tract written just before the Maccabean revolt during brutal persecutions under the Hellenistic ruler Antiochus Epiphanes IV. By Mark's era, it was well established as a discourse of political protest. And he goes on to state the way that apocalyptic literature was used in Mark's culture, that it was used to, to fire, quote-unquote, fire the social-political imagination of the oppressed, first in a renewing of old symbols and reappropriating Hebrew narratives of liberation, it functioned as a remembering, and secondly, it promoted a creative envisioning of a future in which God restored justice and full humanity to all. Horsley, Richard Horsley also writes in his book, Jesus and Spiral of Violence, Popular Jewish Resistances in Rome and Palestine. This is on page 144. Horsley writes, emperors were not divine. The apocalyptic imagination thus had a strengthening effect on people's ability to endure, even a motivating effect towards resistance and revolt. This is how Dan, the book of Daniel was used. The fact that Mark's gospel connects the Jesus so many times with the, the book of Daniel is something we need to note here. Howard Key, writing on the disproportionate interest by Mark's gospel in the book of Daniel, this is from Community of the New Age Studies in Mark's Gospel, page 45. Uh, Key writes, Daniel alone among all of the Old Testament books, is quoted from every chapter. It is of the highest level of significance for the New Testament as a whole as a result of its overwhelming importance for Mark. 
the wild animals here that's the first subtle move by mark's author the, uh, the wild animals and the angels in, in 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 our description in this week's story that would have brought immediately to the mind of, of mark's listeners the liberation of the people from oppressive world empires in daniel chapter 7 in daniel 7 13 through 14 and this is at the wake of all of these wild animals being presented here in daniel chapter 7 representing the empires of the world uh, daniel 7 13 through 14 reads in my vision at night i looked and there before me was one like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven some translations say that attended by the angels he approached the ancient of days was led into his presence and he was given authority glory sovereign power all nations and peoples of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. This is the language we get in the Gospel of Mark. If Jesus immediately goes out, setting, going from place to place, setting out, uh, preaching about the Gospel of the kingdom that's referring to this passage right here that that uh, uh mark he he's battled with the wild animals in the wilderness he was attended to by the angels and then he embarks preaching a gospel of the kingdom speaking of one of the wild animals little horns daniel even writes but the court will sit and his talking about the imperial oppressor his power will be taken away and completely destroyed forever then the sovereignty, power, and greatness of all the kingdoms under heaven will be handed over to the holy people of the Most High. His, the Son of Man, his kingdom will be an everlasting kingdom, and all rulers will worship and obey him. Now, Matthew and Luke, they later expand this liberation theme by by directly referencing daniel's vision and one of the three temptations that satan brought to jesus mark is much more subtle but let's take a look at matthew and luke just very quickly i know we're talking about mark this week but i want you to see this connection in matthew 4 8 through 9 it says again the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world think daniel 7's wild animals and their splendor all of this I will give you, he said, if you'll bow down and worship me. So he was giving him a shortcut to accomplish what Daniel 7 was talking about. In Luke 4, 5 through 7, it says the devil led him up to a high place and showed him in, in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. Here are those wild animals. And he said to him, I will give you all of their authority and splendor. It has been given to me. And I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it'll all be yours. So again, another shortcut. In Mark's version, again, of the wilderness temptations, these connections to Daniel 7 and liberation from empires, they're much more subtle. Mark doesn't list three temptations, doesn't quote from the book of Daniel here, just uh, just says Jesus was contending with the wild animals there, which was, uh, that that was enough for Mark to think that his audience would make that connection, but in in in, uh, in Matthew and Luke, the connections become way more. They must not have been sufficient because Matthew and Luke elaborate on it and make the connection much more uh, overt. But but John's imprisonment it snaps us out of the wilderness, and as I shared a few weeks ago, Herod, who was Rome's agent 
in the region was deeply threatened by John's justice preaching and the large, large crowds that were starting to follow John the Baptist. Josephus, in his History of the Jews, uh, and I'll put a reference to it in this week's Eastside, but he writes, John was a good man who had admonished the Jews to practice virtue and to treat each other justly with due respect to God and to join in the practice of baptism. Herod became alarmed at the crowds that gathered around John, who aroused them to fever pitch with his sermons. Eloquence that had such powerful effect on people might lead to sedition, since it seemed that the people were prepared to do everything he recommended. So once John is arrested by Herod, Jesus then begins his own preaching of the gospel of the arrival of God's just world, or to use the language of Daniel 7, the kingdom. Um, and that's how Mark refers to it, is as the kingdom. And remembering that the, the gospel, the term gospel, that was a term that was used not in Hebrew tradition or Hebrew scriptures. It was used by the Roman Empire. And I, I, we spoke at length about this in the podcast a couple weeks ago titled The Gospel Jesus Taught. But again, um, I'll share a new statement here, Binding the Strong Man. Once again, from page 123, uh, Myers explains Roman propaganda focused on eulogizing Caesar as the divine man. This ideological strategy is well documented in coins of the period. And of course, in the later emperor cults of Asia Minor, the ascension to power of a new ruler was cause for glad tidings. Those of you who are familiar with um, gospel uh, language will recognize that phrase, glad tidings. And celebrations and sacrifices always followed. Deification of the emperor gives the euangelion, and that's the Greek word for gospel. It's talking about Rome's gospel. Gives Rome's euangelion its significance and power. Because the emperor is more than a common man, his ordinances are glad messages, and his commands are sacred writings. He proclaims euangelia, or gospel or glad tidings, through his appearance. The first euangelium is the news of his birth. And think back to uh, Matthew and Luke's birth narratives of Jesus in contrast. As one ancient inscription puts it, the birthday of the God was for the world the beginning of the joyful messages which have got forth because of him. So again, the gospel authors are taking this cultural Roman gospel of Caesar and, and, and presenting Jesus as an alternative to that. The gospel was a term for, from, the Roman Empire. And, and once we begin to delve into Roman Caesar worship, it becomes beautifully obvious how Mark's gospel was juxtaposing Jesus with Caesar and offering Jesus' gospel of the kingdom as resistance, as an alternative to the gospel of Rome and the peace of a, of a just world through the kingdom as contrasted with the Pax Romana, peace established through violence versus peace established through justice. So Jesus' gospel of the kingdom, again, as we've so often said, was much more concerned with our concrete realities in this life than the afterlife. 
the social, political, and economic implications of the Jesus that we find in the Gospels, they are profound. And, and, and they're often overlooked when we make Jesus just a religious figure. The kingdom has been twisted today to be mostly religious in nature. But for those early Jesus followers, the gospel was deeply political. And by political, I mean how we choose to share space together with one another here on earth. Jesus was announcing that a just world had come near. It had arrived. And Jesus was traversing the margins and the edges of his society, inviting everyone he could to be a part of it. Jesus's just world Remember, it expressed a profound concern for justice, for compassion, and the well-being of those that the present system had marginalized. And his gospel, I believe, still calls us to that today. Jesus' gospel, it calls us today to a more socially compassionate, socially just expression of Christianity. His gospel still, I think, has the power to radically impact how we choose to practice our Christianity. Are we so heavenly-minded that, that we are genuinely no earthly good? Or do we perceive in the Jesus story a life-giving path that informs us to take up this work of making our world a safe, compassionate, just home for everyone. Heart group application this week, number one, share something that spoke to you from this week's e-sight or podcast episode with your heart group. Number two, how does the Jesus story shape your own work in making our world a safe, compassionate, just home for everyone. Share and discuss that with your group. And then number three, what can you do this week, big or small, to continue setting in motion the work of shaping our world into a safe, compassionate, just home for everyone? Thanks for checking in with us today. I want to say a special thank you to all of our supporters out there. If you'd like to join them in supporting Renewed Heart Ministries work, you can do so by going to RenewedHeartMinistries.com and clicking Donate. I also want to say a special thank you this week to Choir Publishing, to, to Keith Giles who wrote the forward to my latest book, and all the special people on our launch team and all who made this release a success. Uh, Finding Jesus, a fundamentalist preacher, discovers the socio-political and economic teachings of the Gospels. Again, is available now on Amazon. It's available in paperback, in Kindle, and it's soon also going to be uh, on audible and audiobook format and as always you can find renewed heart ministries each week on x or twitter uh, facebook instagram meta's new threads if you haven't done so already please follow us on your chosen social media platforms for our daily post and also if you enjoy listening to this podcast please take a moment to like and subscribe and leave us a positive review if that's possible on whatever podcast platform you're listening to it on this week. This helps others find our podcast as well. You can watch our new YouTube show called Just Talking each week, where Todd Leonard and I take a moment to talk about the Gospel Lectionary reading for the upcoming weekend. We'll be talking about each reading in the context of love and inclusion and societal justice. Our hope is that our talking will be just talking as in justice, but that during our brief conversation each week, you'll be inspired to do more than just talking. If you teach from the lecture, 
dictionary or if you're just looking for some thoughts on the Jesus story from a more progressive perspective within the context of social justice, check it out. You might like it. You can find Just Talking each week on YouTube.com forward slash at Herb and Todd Just Talking. Please, once you get there, like, subscribe, hit the notification button, leave us a comment. If you'd like to reach us here at Renewed Heart Ministries through email, you can reach us at info at renewedheartministries.com. And lastly, remember, right where you are, keep living in love, choosing compassion, and taking action, working toward justice. I love each of you dearly. I'll see you next week.